Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Let's get down to business to start this podcast. Welcome, friends. It is September 2nd. It is a Wednesday. We are recording not live because, you know, that's not how we do things here. You'll be hearing this later tomorrow in a week. I don't know when. I don't really care as long as you listen, right? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Guys, thank you for coming in week after week after week to listen to me. I'm your constant in this nonsense of of time that we live in. It is currently, you know, some people joke on the internet that it's like March 152nd or whatever, however many days it's been since the lockdown, however you want to describe it, uh, depending on where you live, you know. But hey, I'm Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. I want you guys to like and subscribe if you want to, you know, just click it wherever you listen to the show, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, one of those places, you know, I'm trying to get on the other ones, I don't know what's going on, you know, iHeartRadio, pain in the ass if you ask me, they, they, I've submitted it like 800 times, you know, and... Uh, okay, that that's an exaggeration. All right, all right. But still, it's like, what the hell are you guys doing? I've done this multiple times. I've followed all of of your requests. So I, I, I don't know what, what you guys are doing. But, but let's just, you know, before we go too deep into the reads, let's just get into what you're all here to listen to. And that, of course, is... What's going on in the video game world, huh? A lot of stuff to talk about today. You know, Gamescom was last week, or this past weekend, and, and things like that, I should say. But, I mean, that's not the only thing we're going to talk about. Anyway, um, if you guys weren't already aware, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out in November of this year. Uh, just a couple of days before... Assassin's Creed, actually. But Cyberpunk 2077 will have both free and paid DLC in a similar structure that CD Projekt Red had done for The Witcher 3. So do not be surprised to have both paid and free DLC post-launch of Cyberpunk 2077. So that will be a fun welcome addition to hear that, especially for one of the most anticipated games of, of the year if not the console generation, you know what I mean? Anyway, anyway, so just, I know a lot of you guys are stoked for Cyberpunk, and I am too, and I cannot wait, and luckily it's not too far away. But, uh, moving on, a lot, a lot of news just came out in regards to Destiny 2, and what happens when, um, what's it called, Dying Light, or whatever, what do they call it, the expansion, Um, Beyond Light, that's what it is, releases this November. So, Beyond Light launches on November 10th. And a lot of things are going to be going into the Destiny Vault, as they call it. So yeah, Beyond Light on November 10th. And Io, Titan, Mars, Mercury, and Leviathan are all going into the Vault. 
And they posted on a log on a long blog post that they want to make crystal clear what everything that's going on. So strikes that we're losing, the Pyramidian, the Festering Core, Savathun's Song, Strange Terrain, Will of the Thousands, Tree of Probabilities, and finally a Garden World. So those are all the strikes that are going to be going into the vault. Uh, Gambit and Gambit Prime are going. Uh, some of the Crucible maps uh, that are not going to be moving forward in Season 4 include Meltdown, Solitude, Retribution, The Citadel, Emperor's Resprite, Equinox, Eternity, Firebase Echo, Gambler's Ruin, Legion's Gulch, and Vostok. And then uh, some also some modes that are going in, including Supremacy, Count, Countdown, Lockdown, Breakthrough, Doubles, Momentum Control, and Scorched will be going into the vault. Uh, Trials of Osiris will not be affected. You don't have to worry about there. Raids and dungeons, however. So dungeons are not going. Raids are. So Leviathan Raid, Eater of Worlds Raid, Spire of Stars Raid, Scourge of the Past Raid, and Crown of Sorrows Raid will all be going into the vault. And then uh, their reward lockouts have been removed as well. Also... Uh, the Vault of Glass will be coming out of the vault and then going into D Destiny 2, so some people will get to play something from the first game. Uh, exotic Quests and Catalysts have, are going to be moving in. So as some destinations go into the vault, Exotic Quests will not be able to be completed. However, uh, Specific Quests will be retired on November 10th. Incomplete Progress will be abandoned. And if you want to get those exotics via their original quests, they... Uh, you'll want to do so prior to the end of season, the season of Arrivals, which is the current season. Uh, those include Sturm, Mita, Multitool, Rat King, Legend of Acrius, Sleeper Simulant, Polaris Lance, Worldline Zero, Ace of Spades, The Last Word, Le Monarchy, Jotun, Izanagi's Burden, Thorn, Lumina, Truth, and Bad Juju. <laughs> and they're not going to be retired. Um, you can buy these at a memorial kiosk that will be in the vault kiosks in the tower. So you'll be able to buy them if you want uh, later, since those quests are not going to be available. Uh, a couple of catalysts are going to be going away. Bad Juju, the Huckleberry, Izanagi's Burden, Legend of Acrius, Polaris Lance, Skyburner's Oath, Sleeper Stimulant, Telesto, Outbreak Perfected, Whisper of the Worm, and World Line, World Line Zero. So, uh, if you have completed the quest, you'll be able to continue to use them. If you have any of certain ones that are specially marked on the blog post, um, you want to make sure you complete every objective to apply it, otherwise you'll lose it. And then uh, they're going to be kind of changing the Guardian experience. So, Red War, Curse of Osiris, and Warmind campaigns are not going to be available any longer. They're rebuilding the Cosmodrome and Origin story with Year 4. And then uh, the Whisper, Zero Hour, and Year 2 seasonal content will be, uh, be uh, I guess, put out to pasture temporarily until they figure out how to bring it in. But a lot more stuff is online. Uh, definitely check that out. So it's a, a lot of interesting moving parts going on with Destiny. I know it's coming to Game Pass, I think, this month or next month. And the expansions will be going there too. But you have plenty of time before November if you're not getting any other games 
to knock a lot of that stuff out in Destiny 2 before a lot of it gets sunsetted into the Destiny vault. I know I gotta catch, <laughs> catch up on some things for sure, but I think I'm gonna try and get some of that stuff through Game Pass, so, so we'll see. But a lot of changes coming, and it looks like uh, at least Destiny, the Destiny platform and Destiny 2 is finally becoming what ben, Bungie really wanted to, to do with it, except, you know, Activision kind of held their hands, well, tied their hands a bit. But let's see what uh, the first full year and beyond outside of Activision does for Bungie and for the Destiny platform. Anyway, more and more reports are coming out of another new Switch coming out next year. Now, I don't know if this means a Switch XL, which has been rumored for a very long time, or just another refresh, like they did last year with the better battery life and things like this. I wonder, first, the validity of this, because the Switch XL was rumored for so long and never came to fruition. I don't know if they're going to go 4K, because that's not really Nintendo's thing. They've never been at the forefront of you know, the um, frame rate kind of thing and, and the the output. Because, you know, the Wii and the Wii U were always behind the, the, the consoles they were competing against. But I just, if it's a bigger screen, I may consider upgrading next year. If it is a better battery life, it's not going to sway me. If they put out some kind of new dock that ups the whatever, I, I don't know. The resolution, who cares, you know. But, again, if it's an XL, I might be swayed because then I might want to play it more, you know, handheld than than docked. But, as it is, I don't play much Switch. I, I have a few games for it. But, again, it's it all comes down to the exclusives again. And, and of course, you know, Metroid 4 will probably come next year. Hopefully. <laughs> I think it was supposed to come this year and got delayed, of course, because they pretty much revamped it. But who knows? Who knows? And uh, granted, that's a game you'd want to play on the big screen anyway. But we have to wait and see if these rumors turn out to be true, of course. Anyway, uh, Jeff Keighley was being interviewed by IGN ahead of, you know, Gamescom. And he did confirm that the Game Awards will still take place this year in 2020. However, they will be completely online, and he is claiming that it will be its biggest show yet. I don't know what that means, because it's online, so, like, you lose a lot of the musical performance aspect of it, and some of the other things, so, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's all gonna go down. So let, let's see in December if it really turns out to be the biggest Game Awards yet. Because I'm pretty sure he says that every year to like overhype it and get people like to watch. Granted, he's a, he's a, he's a hype man and that's, that's his job. So who knows, you know, who knows. But the other big thing that happened this week is we got the official reveal of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Yes, that is the full title, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And it is a direct sequel to the uh, first Black Ops game. And it will be out on November 13th. And it will be on Xbox One, PS4, PC, and then later on PS5 and Xbox Series X. So yes, that's the same week as Cyberpunk and Assassin's Creed and a whole lot of other games. And it is co-produced by Treyarch and Raven. 
Uh, Treyarch will do the multiplayer. Raven will do the campaign. Yes, Raven Software is making the campaign, not Treyarch. And uh, per quote Battle.net, the Black Ops Cold War will drop fans into the depths of the Cold War's volatile geopolitical battle of the early 1980s. Nothing is ever as it seems in a gripping single-player campaign where players will come face-to-face with historical figures and hard truths as they battle around the globe through iconic locales like East Berlin, Vietnam, Turkey, Soviet KGB headquarters, and more. End quote. What's funny is, you know, they showed Ronald Reagan and him saying some committing war crimes thing in the trailer, which in and of itself is, is ridiculous. But they go on to say, quote, multiplayer, bring a Cold War arsenal of weapons and equipment into the next generation of multiplayer in Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Engage in deniable operations as an elite operative using state-of-the-art tools of the tradecraft across a variety of experiences, from small skirmishes to all-out vehicle-fueled warfare, end quote. And, of course, zombies will be back. Quote, uncover dark Cold War experiments that unleash a new zombie threat, to take on in frightening and intense cooperative gameplay with friends, end quote. Of course, Warzone will be back as well. And if you pre-order, you can get Frank Woods as a playable operative. Now, when it comes to the... Uh, it will have cross-play support, uh, both current and next-gen consoles, and pro- cross-progression. And there will be a battle pass and post-launch content, things like this. Uh, However, when it comes to next-gen and current-gen, it's a little muffled. So, this is directly from them. If you buy the standard edition on PS4, either digitally or physically, you will have an option to buy an upgrade to the PS5 version of the game. However, if you buy the physical version of the disc, it will still be required to be inserted into your PS5, even if you are playing the upgraded version. On Xbox One, if you purchase... The Xbox One version, you cannot upgrade to the Xbox Series X version if you buy the physical edition. However, if you get the digital edition, uh, digital edition upgrades are currently being, quote, evaluated by Activision. Um, Both gen current versions will be backwards compatible on the PS5 and Xbox Series X. And then if you get the next gen version... Um, the PS5 Standard Edition includes only the PS5 version of the game, whereas if you get the Xbox Series X Standard Edition, it comes with an Xbox Series disc that disc that can be played on your Xbox One. But there's also cross digital cross gen versions. It is so fucked up, dude. So I just I do not understand. Or you just get the cross gen bundle. It doesn't make any sense, dude. I don't understand what they're doing here. It, the, the the fact that they had to create like paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs on their website about what comes in each edition and how to upgrade and all that bullshit. Like, why? Why is it so convoluted? But it, it just... I don't understand. Uh, other things, though, it, it takes place in 1981... Mason is back, uh, however, he is not a playable character, and it will run at 4K in 120 hertz, 4K 120 hertz, not 120 FPS, just keep that in mind, people, Uh, however, it looks uh, great on next gen from what little they've shown off, but the game launches in about two and a half months, anyway, 
Uh, got some more news out of uh, 343 Industries and in regards to Halo Infinite. Uh, according to them, and they swear by this, Halo Infinite is not dropping Xbox One support, despite many rumors popping up online contrary to that statement. And they have also confirmed that it will not, the game will not slip into 2022. As of right now, we do not have a 2020 release date. Most people are hoping it does not get delayed a full year to holiday of 2021. Uh, however, you know, with things as they are, we don't really know. However, with that being said, uh, 343 and Microsoft has have announced that Joseph Staten will be joining 343 Industries as the project lead to, quote, get the game back on track. Uh, if you don't know who Joseph Staten is, he actually worked at Bungie from the late 90s on uh, up until about 2013, so post-Halo. Uh, he was the lead, project lead and story writer on Halo 2, Halo 3, Reach, ODST. So, I mean, he's Halo. Essentially is Halo. Joseph Staten is Halo. Now, I told you he was with Bungie up until 2013, so he did work on the first Destiny. However, he did leave Bungie in 2013, and then he actually rejoined Microsoft in 2014. So he's been back at Microsoft for the last six years or so, but he has not been working on Halo um, so he has not been cutting his teeth on what, uh, essentially, where his career started and helped him launch his career. Um, but it's I think it's a good thing to have him back at, at three, or not back at, I mean, I think it's a good thing to have him brought in to help kind of get the project back on track since he knows Halo. He knows what makes Halo tick. He knows how to make a successful Halo game. If anyone can help, bring things back together, it's Joseph Staten, and if anything, he'll make sure that we have a solid Halo game when it comes out, because a delayed Halo that's amazing is better than a rushed, broken Halo, as we all know how those all turn out. But again, this is all I want from Halo. I just want a non-broken Halo. If you can take the multiplayer that they perfected in Halo 5, right? And mix that in with like some awesome Halo 3-esque multiplayer. And then you take the, the, the good story beats from 4. The good story beats from the original trilogy. And, well, I, I mean, you can't take those exact story beats because it's not a remake or a reboot. But if you can continue on that, that kind of path. And you leave it open to everyone where you don't have to be, like, deep in the lore. Because Halo 5 and parts of Halo 4 required you to be a little too deep in on Halo lore and things like that. So, it, it's just, you gotta, it's a balance, right? And you gotta make sure that it's not anything that will turn people away. You gotta make sure you don't do too new that you turn off longtime Halo fans. But then you also got to make sure you the balance is there to bring in new, to bring in old, and make sure everyone's happy, which you can never do anymore in, in today's day and age. But enough where you can get enough people happy and enough people to support it and play it. And to be honest, I think delaying it out of, out of the fall season was a bit of a smart move. And having Halo go up against Call of Duty and things like that is, is always tough, as Call of Duty has become a juggernaut. And, and, and it's just, it sucks, dude. I, like I said, every week, it fucking sucks that it got delayed, but whatever, as long as it isn't broken at launch, then, then by all means get it done when you get it done. Just don't 
launch a broken Halo game. That's it. That's all I ask. That's all most of the community asks. That's all most people ask. Just don't launch a broken game. That's it. That's really, really it. But uh, with a new month comes new games with gold and new PSN Plus games. On Xbox with games with gold, you can get Ubisoft's The Division from the 1st through the 30th. And then you get The Book of Unwritten Tales 2 from the 16th through the 15th. De Blob 2, the 1st through the 15th as the Xbox 360 backwards compatible game. And then Armed and Dangerous, an original Xbox backwards compat from the 16th through the 30th. So be on the lookout for those. And then, of course, over on PS Plus, you can get PUBG. Yes, Player Unknown's Galact- uh, Galactic. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. And Street Fighter V all month long if you are a PS Plus subscriber. Um, also, just a little note on that. Last month, Fall Guys was one of the PS Plus games. That became the most downloaded PS Plus game ever. Fall Guys, which, you know, became a viral sensation last month as well. But I don't think that's available for free any longer, unfortunately. I know PlayStation's a little late every month with those, so who knows. Um, Anyway, moving on. How about this? Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who all of you, most of you should know, is a famous actor. And who was wildly ridiculed online... Uh, several years ago when he was on Ubisoft stage at E3 talking about Beyond Good and Evil 2, has, uh, was giving an interview to um, First We Feast. This is Hot Ones. So First We Feast and Hot Ones, one of the greatest talk shows on the internet. You know, the, uh, what is his name? Anyway, um, Sean Evans, the host, that's his name. You know, he interviews celebrities as they eat progressively hotter hot wings. Anyway, uh, he was interviewing he was interviewing with Sean Evans on Hot Ones. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt said something was going on. And he said, the future of storytelling, quote, it's going to be video games, unquote. Quote, I don't think it's going to be filmmakers who figure out how to do that. But video games feel like kind of the most groundbreaking storytelling, unquote. And he also said whole different realm than anything we've seen before, unquote, and just talks about how he thinks it's, it's all going to be different. Uh, if you guys want the full thing, check out the Hot Ones interview, and I would advise, if you've never seen Hot Ones before, to just literally watch all the Hot Ones, if you have like a, a couple of free hours one day, because like I said, it's an amazing show, and it's funny watching celebrities like go through the peril of eating hot wings and see who can last and who can't last and who can stand the heat and it's just you get to see them in a more real element and not as fake and stuff as as you might on some other late night talk shows but it it, otherwise hot ones is great and it's interesting to see joseph gordon levitt do this and and while i say all this i used to religiously watch hot ones and i'm a way behind i think i'm like two seasons behind at this point and now i need to go back and watch all the ones i've missed but but hot ones for sure and check out that joseph gordon levitt interview he is a a pro gamer in terms of he is pro gamers, not a professional gamer. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Well, well, well. 
it looks like Sony is looking to explore more first-party games on PC. Where's the internet now in uproar over PlayStation has no games? Of course they're not there. Because they, they're, they're uh, these fucking fanboys on both sides. On both sides, I will have you note, it, it, they're just full of shit is what they are. And of course they don't complain when, when Sony games go to PC. Just more people. Well, that's what fucking Xbox did. And you guys are like, Xbox has no games. Well, now you could say the same thing. PlayStation has no games. Because they're all fucking going to PC too. Albeit years later. So it's different. It is different. To a degree. But per Sony's 2020 corporate report... It says, exploring expanding our first-party titles to the PC platform in order to promote further growth in our profitability. Hmm, I wonder if this means they'll come sooner rather than later. And, granted, still older titles instead of brand new releases, we don't know though. And, I just, it, it's, it's really stupid when the people who shit on one side... Don't do it when their side does it. Because they're all fucking hypocrites. But anyway, fucking fanboys. Anyway. It, it's it's interesting to see them do a complete heel turn like this. Than what they did in the past. And it, it just... It, it makes you wonder... Why they make these decisions. And why they say one thing and then do another later. When other places and companies and things like that are more up front, but it's just, it's all a crapshoot and it's all bullshit and it's all pandering. It's all bullshit. It really is. It's just, just, yeah, whatever. I'm not, I'm not going into this more than I need to, but Marvel's Avengers comes out this week uh, in two days to be exact on Friday. Uh, I will be getting it along with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake and uh, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics have announced that each character will be free, but there will they will all have their own ten dollar season pass battle pass. I don't I don't I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. It says um, you can earn cosmetics through the Hero Challenge card. Each card has 40 tiers of free and premium rewards that you get from challenge points from doing daily and weekly challenges. However, the premium Hero Challenge card rewards for all six he starting heroes, Iron Man, Kamala Khan, Hulk, Thor, Captain America, and Black Widow, will be activated for free for anyone who owns the game. All post-launch characters, premium Hero Challenge cards will cost $10 or 1,000 credits to activate. Uh, but if you complete the entire card, you'll earn back your 1,000 credits and earn over 12,000 credits worth of content. So Hawkeye, which is on all systems, will be free. The Spider-Man on PS4 will be free. And only their extra cosmetics and premium hero challenge cards are what cost real money. Um, there's also going to be a marketplace where you can get purchasable cosmetics in the form of outfits, emotes, takedowns, and nameplates. Uh, you'll also need credits for those. So 500 credits will cost five bucks. Uh, you can, so, you know, and so on and so on. There's credit packs of 500, 2,000, 5,000, and 10,000. And bonus credits rewarded for the bigger packs. 
And there's going to be different varieties, outfits, emotes, takedowns, nameplates, like I said. You can be earned, crafted, or purchased. Um, vendors, you can, you can buy them from vendors in-game, which are narrative-based store operators. And they will sell cosmetics, gear, and rare resources. But there's a whole lot of stuff going in there. I don't know. It launches on Friday. We'll see how everything goes. Let's see how the reviews treat it and how it actually plays in real time. Because like I said, the last few times we've seen this game, it didn't look great. I avoided the betas at all costs to try and just go in blind when the game re comes out on Friday from, from all previous stuff. But we will talk about it next week for sure. Uh, that moves on um, for most of our normal video game coverage. I did want to talk about Gamescom a bit. And not, I mean, it's just mostly game announcements and trailers and things like this. And I'm just talking about the stuff that I thought was really interesting and cool. But on the first night, opening night, was when most of the stuff got really announced with Jeff Keighley. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the, the uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga has been delayed until next year. Uh, with that, though, it's also getting next-gen versions. Um, we got our first look at the new Doom Eternal DLC, the Ancient Ones, which looks really fun, and it's uh, a, a nice continuation of the story so far. We also got our first look at Dragon Age 4 after it was announced, what, a year and a half ago, I think, at the Game Awards? But we got our first look at details and returning characters and, and how the game will play out. So that's really nice, and a lot of people love the, the Dragon Age games and... It'll be a nice chance for Bioware to try and redeem themselves after the last few hiccups they've had, for sure. <clears throat> I'm looking at you, Anthem. What? Sorry. <laughs> uh, Sam and Max, the, the, the amazing old-school point-and-click adventure game, is getting remade, but for VR. So be on the lookout for that if you guys were big fans of their games back in the 90s. So it's good to see them making a comeback. Uh, the new World of Warcraft expansion Shadowlands drops on October 27th. We got new gameplay from Star Wars Squadrons, which is shaping up to be a halfway decent game from the look of it. EA is just jerking their Star Wars license off on everything they own now that Star Wars is now being added to The Sims 4. Which, why, 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 why? We also have a release date for Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition. It drops on October 15th with new and old returning assets uh they'll be so it's essentially what they did with the first two they beefed it up made it modernized it added new campaign and dlc and stuff so that's nice too and it will be in game pass on pc as well october 15th medal of honor is making a return after graciously <laughs> or ungraciously uh you know falling out of favor with gamers uh, will be returning in vr later this year and then we got our first real true look at ratchet and clank gameplay on ps5 while the game doesn't necessarily look next gen what is next gen and what's needed for a lot of its capabilities are a lot of the gameplay mechanics like like the rift hopping and just that whole dimension shifting in general and and i really applaud insomniac who's an amazing studio that they were able to pull a lot of this off and it's clear that graphics don't necessarily look next gen you're not going to see a lot of whole graphical leaps right away as is the case in the beginning but it's it's the gameplay mechanics that that are really going to benefit and like i said that's the rift hopping 
and like the whole dimension shifting and, and going from one dimension to another that is really going to benefit in this instance from next-gen hardware. But that was most of the good stuff on opening night. The rest of the weekend, not a whole lot of major stuff because it seemed to be mostly just building off of what was announced opening night. Uh, however, uh, we did get confirmation Ratchet & Clank isn't necessarily a launch title, but it will be in the launch window on PS5. Sea of Thieves is getting a new update, which adds dogs. I know a lot of people like care about that kind of stuff. Ace Combat 7 is getting DLC. Uh, the old school uh, city-building sim, uh, Pharaoh, will be getting a complete remake. So it's it's not just... It's not just a uh, like a remaster, but it's a complete ground-up remake of the original. Got some Mafia news. And then we also got our first look at some new levels being added to Crash 4 that are going to be considered like harder to do levels than, than the main game. Um, but for Gamescom, it was surprisingly very tame. Nothing else new. And that's it for video games this week. Got a little bit of TV to talk about. Surprisingly, still little. Um... But also surprisingly not, because, you know, the fall season for TV might not exist this year, as, you know, most shows film in the spring and summer, and they really didn't get to do that. But um, in strange news, the CW will be adapting the Powerpuff Girls into a live-action show. Yes, uh, so expect it to become a teen melodrama now, <laughs> in the vein of... Riverdale, and just about every other CW show, DC shows included. Uh, the Joe Exotic show and Carol Baskin show that Kate McKinnon is producing and starring in has been greenlit to series by NBC, so expect it to be on either Peacock or NBC sometime in the future. I'm excited for that show, Kate McKinnon. Oh man, that's going to be amazing. She's just... She's a star, man, and to to have her involved with Joe Exotic and Carol Baskins, I am very, very, very excited. I wonder how they're going to do Saturday Night Live, though. I know they went kind of Zoom-ish in, in the spring. I wonder how they're going to do it. Anyway, uh, Netflix has canceled Altered Carbon, so no season three there. Uh, also announced by Netflix that their Resident Evil show will tell a whole new story unrelated to the video games or movies before it. So expect that to be uh, not received well by fans. Anyway, speaking of shows getting canceled and things like that, I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of shows are getting canceled over at, at Comedy Central, despite previously being renewed. So Drunk History, canned. Tosh.0, canned. Uh, several of their other live-action shows, canned as they are moving now to be a more digital or animation-focused channel, which, I mean, I don't know how you can stay and call yourself Comedy Central if, if you move more animated. Comedy Central is built off of live comedy, stand-up comedy, comedians in their own programs, so I don't know why this sudden shift and especially to cancel things that were already in motion and drunk history is like one of their most popular shows tosh.0 one of the most popular shows so like i refuse to believe that ridiculousness is beating tosh.0 you know i just strange things are afoot over it at at comedy central for sure anyway you guys big fans of the x-files i am 
Well, it's getting a spinoff, an animated spinoff at that, and it will premiere on Fox in the next year or so. It will be produced by the original show creator and showrunner, and it will have a new creative team, uh, but it will be an animated spinoff, I think more comedic in take. But that'll be exciting to see. I'm, I'm actually kind of jazzed on that idea. As long as they get Mulder and Scully to come back in some way, that'd be fun. Uh, Nicholas Cage has also joined another television program. This time he's joining a new show coming from a book written by the guy who wrote uh, Artemis Fowl. He wrote another book series or book that, that they're going to be adapting. And Nicholas Cage will be a southern whiskey-loving dragon. And if that doesn't get you hyped and ready to go, then I don't know. But that'll be interesting to see if it ever actually comes out and how it plays out. But be nice to see. Also, uh, CBS has announced, if you don't have CBS All Access right now, which I highly recommend if you're big Star Trek fans, it's also got a lot of MTV and Nickelodeon and other Viacom stuff. But uh, they will. CBS has announced that they will be airing the first season of Star Trek Discovery starting later this month on standard CBS as a way to try and obviously drive up their subscription numbers on CBS All Access. But like I said, if you're a big fan of Star uh, Star Trek, you should have CBS All Access because Picard is on there. It's amazing. Lower Decks is on there. It's amazing. I know Star Trek Discovery really found its footing in Season 2 and Season 3 drops in October. So... I would urge you, if you don't have CBS All Access already, I would urge you to check out Discovery, see if you like it, which could, you know, push you to get CBS All Access. It's it's fairly inexpensive compared to other streaming services, and it has a lot of content. And with that being said, we're going to flip over to the other Star series, and that's Star Wars. And rumors are now swirling that Tamura Morrison just didn't sign up for The Mandalorian, but to reprise his role as Commander Cody for the Obi-Wan show as well. Now, nothing's confirmed. Uh, nothing is known yet because the show obviously hasn't started filming yet. But it, it, it it's now being reported on many sites, not just one, that Commander Cody and his battalion will be involved in the Obi-Wan show in some capacity. I don't know if it's going to be them as stormtroopers, them in flashbacks, but allegedly, Tamura Morrison has signed up to play multiple characters uh, throughout the Disney Plus series, not just the pretty much confirmed Boba Fett and other possible clone things for the Mandalorian show, which hopefully we should be getting a trailer for soon. You know, Star Wars Celebration was supposed to be this past week, and I would have been talking about that with you guys, but, you know... Unfortunately, that did not happen this past weekend, which really fucking sucks. But it will be in another year, two years. I'm pretty sure they announced uh, 2022. But hopefully we'll get a trailer soon, as that probably would have dropped this past weekend if Star Wars Celebration had been happening. Um, anyways, moving on to movies. It looks like The Nutty Professor is getting a remake from the company behind the Scream franchise. Hopefully that doesn't mean they're going to make it some kind of horror comedy or anything, but stick to its comedy roots. It'd be fun to see that, since the second one, Meet the Clumps, was such a letdown. Oh my god, that movie. God damn. But 
Anyway, a couple of movies have been delayed as well um, as we get closer and closer to movies supposed to be coming out and theaters not really opening everywhere yet. Uh, the Kingsman, the prequel to the Kingsman series, has been delayed until February of next year, uh, as well as Paramount has announced that they are delaying the release of Snake Eyes, their G.I. Joe spinoff, to next year as well. But... That's uh, some interesting. Also, some Disney news here. Uh, Disney has announced that they are retooling, uh, industry speak for kind of revamping their uh, Raya and the Last Dragon movie. They have uh, decided to change up the story a bit, change up the directors and things like this. And they're actually, uh, they've replaced the main star with Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, you know her as Rose Tico from the Star Wars films. But she will now be voicing the main ca uh, character in the film as they seek to, you know, maybe not be as, uh, I don't know, maybe they're, they're trying not to be, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing. I guess the plan is to be more socially or maybe more culturally sensitive. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's what it looks like. They want to make sure it's not whitewashing. They want to make sure that they don't use someone who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing or talking about. And what I applaud them, I guess you could say, in this. And they want to make sure that they don't do anything that might come off as insensitive or offensive or wrong. And of course, they don't want to be doing any kind of cultural appropriation or anything like that, as this is really their only second film to be more uh, focused in in Asia after Mulan and things like that. So they want to make sure that they do things right. But uh, they also, there's also rumors swirling, I should say, not they also, but rumors are, are floating around that they may rebooting, may be rebooting the Haunted Mansion franchise after the dismal film that they made several years back with Eddie Murphy. Uh, this time they've en enlisted the help of the remake of the Ghostbusters to help write the story. So it'll be interesting to see if they go, how that turns out, but we don't know if it's true yet. So let's hold our horses on any kind of opinions or anything like that. I've, I've only really been on the ride, and I don't think I've ever seen the Eddie Murphy one. I know I've seen bits and pieces, but I don't recall ever watching the whole film. But who knows? Um, as you know, the the New Mutants finally released this past week in uh, just over 2,000 theaters, and it, it managed to rake in $8 million, folks. $8 million, and it's getting thrashed in reviews. And, and I uh, made a joke to a friend. I'm like, maybe it never should have come out. <laughs> it's uh, currently sitting at 31% with critics and 53% with users whoa on rotten that's not good that is not good but we are going to be talking a movie that did a lot better in just a little bit but some sad news to report first um the world lost a superhero this past weekend in uh, chadwick boseman passed away at the age of 43 due to colon cancer and this man made six films well having stage three colon cancer six films man the uh, civil war black panther 21 bridges uh the movie uh where he plays thurgood marshall and in like like two or three others man 
this dude is a beast, man. And, and it just, it sucks, man, that you lose someone like this and you lose someone who's a role model to people and who embodied some of the greatest figures in, in American history and, and stood up to other people and, and again, played people that, that don't always have a voice. And it, it, it's just, it's so unfortunate that this happened. And the, the best tribute I saw written to him was from Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther. Um, and he said, this is a quote from Ryan Coogler. Before sharing my thoughts on the passing of the great Chadwick Boseman, I first offer my condolences to his family, who meant so very much to him, to his wife Simone especially. I inherited Marvel and the Russo brothers' casting choice of T'Challa. It is something that I will forever be grateful for. The first time I saw Chad's performance as T'Challa... It was in an unfinished cut of Captain America Civil War. I was deciding whether or not directing Black Panther was the right choice for me. I'll never forget sitting in an editorial suite on the Disney lot and watching his scenes. His first was Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, then with South African cinema titan John Connie as T'Challa's father, King T'Chaka. It was at that moment I knew I wanted to make this movie. After Scarlett's character leaves them, Chad and John began conversing in a language I'd never heard before, it sounded familiar, but full of the same clicks and smacks that young black children would make in the streets. The same clicks that he we would often be chided for being disrespectful or improper, but it had a musicality to it that felt ancient, powerful, and African. In my meeting after watching the film, I asked Nate Moore, one of the producers about the language, did you guys make it up? Nate replied, that's Zosha, John Connie's native language. He and Chad decided to do the same like that on do the scene like that on set, and we rolled with it. I thought to myself, he just learned lines in another language that day. I couldn't conceive how difficult that must have been. And even though I hadn't met Chad, I was already in awe of his capacity as a actor. I learned later that there was much conversation over how T'Challa would sound in the film. The decision to have Zosha be the official language of Wakanda was solidified by Chad, a native of South Carolina, because he was able to learn his lines in Zosha. There on the spot. He also advocated for his character to speak with an African accent so that he could present T'Challa to audiences as an African king whose dialect had not been conquered by the West. I finally met Chad in person in early 2016 once I had signed on to the film. He snuck past journalists that were congregated for a press junket I was doing for Creed and met with me in the green room. We talked about our lives, my time playing football in college, and his time at Howard studying to be a director, about our collective vision for T'Challa and Wakanda. We spoke about the irony of how his former Howard classmate Ta-Nehisi Coates was writing T'Challa's current arc with Marvel Cin Comics, and how Chad knew Howard student Prince Jones, whose murder by a police officer inspired Coates' memoir, Between the World and Me. I noticed that then that Chad was an anomaly. He was calm, assured, constantly studying, but also kind, comforting, had the warmest laugh in the world, and eyes that seen much beyond his years, but could still sparkle like a child seeing something for the first time. That was the first of my many conversations. He was a special person. We would often speak about heritage and what it means to be African. When preparing for the film, he would ponder every decision, every choice, not just for how it would reflect on himself, but how those choices could reverberate. They not ready for this, what we are doing. This is Star Wars. This is Lord of the Rings, but for us, and bigger. 
He would say this to me while we were struggling to finish a dramatic scene, stretching into double overtime, or while he was covered in body paint, doing his own stunts, or crashing into frigid water and foam landing pads. I would nod and smile, but I didn't believe him. I had no idea... Oh, hold on. I had no idea if the film would work. I wasn't sure I knew what I was doing, but I looked back and realized that Chad knew something we all didn't. He was playing the long game, all while putting in the work, and work he did. He would come to auditions for supporting roles, and which is not common for lead actors in big-budget movies. He was there for several M'Baku auditions. In Winston Dukes, he turned a chemistry read into a wrestling match. Winston broke his bracelet. In Letitia Wright's audition for Shuri, she pierced his royal poise with her signature humor and would bring about a smile to T'Challa's face that was 100% Chad. While filming the movie, we would meet at the office or at my rental home in Atlanta to discuss lines in different ways to add depth to each scene. We talked costumes, military practices. He said to me, Wakandans have to dance during the coronations. If they just stand there with spears, what separates them from Romans? In early drafts of the script, Eric Killmonger's character would ask T'Challa to be buried in Wakanda. Chad challenged that and asked, what if Killmonger asked to be buried somewhere else? Chad deeply valued his privacy, and I wasn't privy to the details of his illness. After his family released their statement, I realized that he was living with his illness the entire time. I knew him. Because he was a caretaker, a leader, a man of faith and dignity and pride, he shielded his collaborators from his suffering. He lived a beautiful life and he made great art. Day after day, year after year, that was who he was. He was an epic firework display. I will tell stories about being there for some of the brilliant sparks till the end of my days. What an incredible mark he's left for us. I haven't grieved a loss this acute before. I spent the last year preparing, imagining, and writing words for him to say that we weren't destined to see. It leaves me broken knowing that I won't be able to watch another close-up of him in the monitor again or walk up to him and ask for another take. It hurts more to know that we can't have another conversation or FaceTime or text message exchange. He would send vegetarian recipes and eating regimens for my family and me to follow during the pandemic. He would check in on me and my loved ones, even as he dealt with the scourge of cancer. In African cultures, we often refer to loved ones that have passed as ancestors. Sometimes you are genetically related, sometimes you are not. I had the privilege of directing scenes of Chad's character, T'Challa, communicating with the ancestors of Wakanda. We were in Atlanta in an abandoned warehouse with blue screens and a massive movie lights, but Chad's performance made it feel real. I think it was because from the time that I met him, the ancestors spoke through him. It's no secret to me now how he was able to skillfully portray some of our most notable ones. I had no doubt that he would live on and continue to bless us with more, but it is with a heavy heart and a sense of deep gratitude to have ever been in his presence that I have to reckon with the fact that Chad is an ancestor now, and I know that he will watch over us until we meet again. And that is from, like I said, Ryan Coogler, the director. And I don't think anyone could have put it more poignantly than him. While I have no doubt the Black Panther franchise will continue, and I know if Ryan Coogler is still at the helm, they will make sure that they honor him in a great way. I just I just feel bad because there's so many there's so many great stories that still could have been told with Chad front and center for those. And you know, when you lose a great actor like him, it's like, oh, you don't have a connection to him and things like this, but you he brings joy to a lot of people and he brought a presence on screen that like no other people could really relate to. And he was an imposing figure and, and it just sucks. 
it just sucks when you lose someone like this. I thought Black Panther was a great movie. I saw it three times in theaters. It's rare nowadays for me to go see a movie that many times in a theater. And it just, it just sucks. Just sucks overall. And it, it's not going to be the same without him. But, yeah. I don't know. Um, the last thing I want to talk about today of um, is Bill and Ted Face the Music. And it sucks to talk about something fun and thing lighthearted after being somber. And, and But Bill and Ted Face the Music came out, the third film in the Bill and Ted franchise. And it was a most excellent conclusion to the, to the series. Uh, it takes place, obviously, much after the fact of Bill and Ted's bogus journey, which was the second one. While overall it worked very, very well, and the, the chemistry between Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves was, was on point still, almost 30 years later. And the story does seem just a tad bit rushed, just a tad um, it is a short film, and of course they work around the constraints of time. But the new characters are a welcome addition. Like the two daughters of, of the two main characters are great, and they have a, a nice fun story, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if the, the franchise continues around them because they had a great they had a great camaraderie too that was almost very like um, Bill and Ted in the original films. That was very, very, very well done in this one. Um, they underutilized death, if you ask me, because he was a major part of the second film, and in this one, he's just kind of like a secondary character towards the the, the last third of the film. The film does end uh, somewhat abruptly, which threw me off guard, and that was one of the one things I, I thought was, was kind of strange. It just kind of, boom, and then kind of goes into a voiceover. The, the music is great, I will say that. Uh, a lot of good music in it. And it, it does come off almost like a B-movie. <laughs> but um, but like a high-budget B-movie to a degree. But it's still a like a Hollywood production. And it... it I, I don't want to say it in a way that makes it seem like the movie wasn't good. Because it was great. It was great. And I love the first two. And I totally love this film. And it's totally a welcome addition. Like I said, it is a most excellent conclusion. Most bodacious. And as elements of both the first and the second film, and then also something new. And it just... It sucks because it was really way after the fact. But overall, it was, it was a really great film. And if you really enjoyed the others, I totally would advise watching Face the Music. You can get it now on demand or in theaters if your theaters are open. And it's it's completely worth the wait. It was an awesome movie. I loved it. Laughed the whole way through. Bill and Ted Face the Music, available now. To me, it was an 8 out of 10 just because there were some things that weren't perfect. Overall, though, solid fitting conclusion to the, to the series. I hope... They maybe make another one down the line, or if they continue with the daughters, I'm perfectly fine with that as well, because they they had a great camaraderie and chemistry, and overall, 8 out of 10 for Bill and Ted Face the Music. But that's it, folks. Thank you guys for listening to Nick's Nerd News this week. As always, I'm your host, Nick. Check us out on your preferred podcast service. Uh, like and subscribe. Check out nicksnerdnews.com, as I always say. 
You can listen to the show right in your browser, or if you prefer, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast pages. Uh, while you're there, check out our social tab so you can see all our social media feeds, where we post a lot of most bodacious, excellent memes. Anyways, uh, or just follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Nixner News. Anyway, thanks, guys, for listening. Party on, dudes. I'll catch you on the flip side.